Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, listening to, or streaming the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rich Guthman. I'm an improv comedian from New York, still unable to improvise on stage as we are living in the time of Rona. And there, there are blessings to that. Uh, most notably, SantaCon got canceled, which I believe is the sweetest gift that sweet lady Rona could give any of us at this time. Would I trade the lives lost in order to uh, live with SantaCon? Yes, I would. But, you know, I'm looking at the silver lining of things because we have to in order to get through. And speaking of somebody that gets me through the day, she is the lady handling the beeps, the boops, the buttons, and the bobs over there at the cat studio. She's Chelsea Bennington. How are you, Chelsea? Hello. I am also happy that SantaCon was canceled. And this is coming from someone who loves Christmas, but anyone who loves Christmas should not love SantaCon, is what I would say. See, the people that love Christmas and the people that hate Christmas come together. <laughs> for, for one goal, and that is to destroy SantaCon. It's one of those, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. That could be like a cinematic journey, actually. That would be a really, really good story. To any filmmakers out there listening to this, we are willing to collaborate. Uh, I'm willing to star. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I'll play one of the SantaCon people because the villain has to be more interesting in the film. <laughs> and, and do I want to just be covered with fake blood and a climactic scene uh, being ripped apart like at the end of Day of the Dead? Maybe. Would I be willing to do it? Sure. <laughs> Rick, I have the confidence that you would be the only actor who could make a SantaCon bro interesting. <laughs> like that's the, that's the nicest thing Chelsea has ever said to me on microphone. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make up for it later. I need to think of a really deep cut to come in later <laughs> to destroy all that confidence I had just built. <laughs> Wouldn't have you any other way, Chelsea. Joining us today is our guest. Once again, is a Spooky Doings and Final Girl performer. Uh, you can also see her at Human Pin Cushion Productions. Vicki Martin is back. Hello, Vicki. Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, 30 SantaCon. I, <laughs> don't get me wrong, the Rona has not been good, but I'm very happy there is no SantaCon this year. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> oh, man, you know what's funny is... The very first show I ever did uh, when I graduated, we were doing like promos for it. And we were outside, you know, like on the street, flyering, uh, giving like little snippets of the show. And then all of a sudden we look around and we're like, oh, that's weird. There's like a lot of dudes in like Santa outfits everywhere. And then it hit us and we were like, oh, fuck, it's SantaCon today. Head for the hills. Yeah, it was like run for your lives. It, it, it's very horrific in its own way. But other than that, how are you holding up in the mm. time of Rona? Uh, good. I mean, as well as anybody can going through all this. Well, I, yeah, I get concerned about you. As you said last time, you work at Trader Joe's. You're out there amongst I do. The people. Yeah, and, I, and I care about our spooky doings family of performers because you know when when we get through this and we're able to perform again i want all y'all to be there because 
I got a lot of hugs saved up. I have a tally for who I owe hugs to. And when I'm capable of uh, distributing them safely, y'all motherfuckers better brace yourself. Uh, Vicky, you're, you're, you're uh, small in stature, but big in talent. So there might be lifting involved with your permission. So just want to get that ground rule. <laughs> Find out what your comfort level is. Maybe a spin or two. There's going to be a lot oh, yeah, of and people are going to be like, is that line for Trader Joe's or something? No, it's to hug Rick. Rick, yeah. <laughs> it's like you have to sign up on the wait list and then yeah. come back at your designated time. Exactly. Yeah. Not so much to hug Rick, but for Rick to hug you. For Rick to hug oh. you. Aw, I love it. Yeah. Um, but Vicky uh, reached out to me a while back and was like, hey, you want to do an episode about uh, LGBT stuff in horror? And I said, Yes. Let's just figure out when now. Because then, you know, guests come up and they, or friends come up, they have ideas. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's fucking do it. Now let's just figure out when and what and what research I got to do in advance. So what, how'd this come into your mind, Vicky? Oh, man. Honestly, it's been in, you know, especially being with both you guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, I was a young... I guess queer when the Babadook kind of mm -hmm. happened, uh, you know, like when it originally came out, it was a movie about like this mom and her kids getting terrorized by this sort of like book monster and like, it's a good movie. Uh, and then the year, this is also the year like I graduated too, um, of Pride is like when it kind of became and exploded this sort of like, LGBT icon, the Babadook, and it was really, really interesting. I don't know. I guess that's kind of been stuck in my head ever since that kind of happened. And then, yeah, I don't know. I guess like the last time uh, I was on here, I had the Babadook stuck in my mind. So I was like, yeah, you know, like let's talk about LGBT uh, Q horror and. Yeah, I don't know. That was like the first thing that just kind of popped up. And again, I'm an ignorant, straight dude. Uh, so I know there's a lot of extra letters that get added on and a plus sign that it's difficult. It, it seems that the terminology evolves faster than I personally can keep up. So just for the sake of the podcast, we'll keep it to LGBT. Uh, to, to keep things short and sweet, but we're not trying to exclude anybody. Mm -hmm. Love all the people, and I'm willing to learn everything. It's and cute I, that I, you think the word ignorant needs to go in front of straight. You just have to say straight. <laughs> <laughs> the ignorance is implied. The ignorance is implied. Yeah. <laughs> fair <laughs> and no because because we touched on it last time you're on and yeah just a weird uh categorization on netflix as the babadook as an lgbt movie um because there's really nothing in the film itself that seemed uh gay to me unless you want to count the top hat but you know i just think that's a fabulous accessory uh, but just the fact that the gay community um accepted the babadook as their own and i've seen like great oh. drawings of the babadook 
uh, wearing rainbow colors that are so much fun. But I have one issue with the Babadook as a gay icon is that someone out there decided that the Babadook was involved with Pennywise the Clown. And I personally feel Babadook can do better. I feel Pennywise is trifling and not to be trusted, but I also hate clowns. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny because it started as like a mistake. You know, I kind of just wound up on Netflix's uh, LGBT movie category. And then it just kind of like exploded from there, you know? And all the memes, uh, there was one I saw where if you've ever seen Drag Race, uh, when the queens are first entering, you know, like they enter in and like they'll pose and they'll have like a really cool uh, witty catchphrase. Someone put in the Babadook, like coming in <laughs> and having like a catchphrase. Uh, it was it was really cool. The Babadook would have won Drag Race easily. I could see the Babadook. Oh yeah, very innovative with her. If not winning, uh, at least winding up on an All Star season yeah, a year or two reality, after. All Star. Yeah. Can you imagine the Babadook and Katya together? In my mind was. I was thinking uh, the Babadook and Trixie. Oh no, that, <laughs> but that one works too. That that's a that's a a a, a, a love uh, that coupling thruppling that I could get behind. Right, that would be very fun. I didn't know, so I knew about like the Babadook being becoming this queer icon, which I adore, but. I never put together that it was because of Netflix's algorithm. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. I, I just never, I guess, looked into why. I, I just thought it was just, I don't know, someone made the decision, but it sounds yeah. like Netflix's al algorithm. It's interesting because, um, yeah, it did start off as like uh, this sort of like quirky mistake Netflix did, mm -hmm. but kind of like when it happened, people were giving really interesting kind of like uh, – backstory theories on like why the Babadook became this icon you know he's this creature that kind of like hides in the shadows and like isn't really sort of accept you know I mean obviously in the movie he's a monster terrorizing the family um but people kind of generalized it as like you know he's different and all of a sudden you know he keeps like popping in, but he's not really accepted and spoiling the movie a little bit if you haven't seen it. But you know, at the very end when kind of like he winds up there and then like the mom's sort of like taking care of him. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of this weird uh, journey of like <laughs> the Babadook going through the struggle and then at the very end kind of like, and I guess a weird fucked up way in the movie sort of being accepted interesting I, I do need to watch it again I haven't watched it in my uh, same vast uh, movie watching of the quarantine but I have the DVD it's over there I'll get to it eventually when I'm ready um, but yeah it, it, what, what to me was an exploration of grief uh, if you know all our, our gay siblings out there want to accept something as their own. I like this because usually, again, coming from the, the, the heterosexual perspective, usually gay folk will claim something that's been discarded in a way, but I don't think the Babadook has been. 
like when gay folk, you know, uh, claim Cher or Ban Barry Manilow as their own. It's like straight folk have decided we're kind of done with that. And the gays like, no, we'll prop it the fuck up. And, 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 yeah. Make it which they certainly did with a movie that I want to talk about and love and I'm trying to get the star of on this podcast, shameless plug uh, to Mark Patton, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Mm. Yeah, that film is, you know, you can have a whole conversation about that and you have. Um, <laughs> when it comes to you. Uh, like the documentary Screen Queens um, or Screen Queen because watching that, I just felt so much, so much anger. And I won't go too into it because I don't want us to go into a wormhole of just this movie. But, um, but just the whole not acknowledging the gay subtext in the film and how it, uh, it was, it was there and it was intentional. I don't care what anyone says. And for them to blame the acting, like, no, it wasn't written with queer subtext. Mark Patton just acted gay. And it's like, okay, cool. Thanks for outing him. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it, and destroying his career. But, uh, which, you know, he's, he's bounced back in such an amazing way. Um, but yeah, it's, I love that now it has been embraced as like this ultimate queer horror film because it's just wonderful and all of and all of the subtext in it is just so so straightforward. I don't even know if you could call it subtext. <laughs> like it's just quite obvious. Um, but Vicky, have you seen it? Oh God, I, years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the the shower whipping scene. I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> You know? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen uh, the documentary Scream Queen? I like to put in the comma, so let me try that again. Scream Queen uh, on Shutter. I have not. It's it's good. It's good. If you Very don't good. have Shutter, talk to us after we finish recording. I'll give you that login because I like to share, and they ain't giving us nothing free. But um, I I like the I, I spoke with the filmmakers behind that, and they went into. Mark Patton's life and there's a bigger story than the one that I just saw in that film from the 80s and was too young to understand exactly what was going on then I got older and I got out uh, my, my world expanded and I met uh, out gay people and uh, watched it again when New Line put out all the Elm Street DVDs in a box set and I'm like huh this movie that was my least favorite of the series is now one of my favorites because it's so gay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, uh, not to put like a damper on things, but like, you know, I'm a younger millennial and like, even I kind of remember, not until very, very recently, maybe even like 10 or 15 years ago, like, you know, obviously, uh, LGBT people have, you know, like always kind of, I guess, been accepted, but it wasn't as much as it is even a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. you know? It was like there were so many actors, like uh, Ellen's a good one, um, where, ooh, Lily Tomlin's actually a really, really good example of that, you know? she had been gay all of her life and like had been living with her partner for so many years but it wasn't until like 
the eighties really where like, she actually kind of came out, you know, like before, if they'd ever really talked about her, it'd be like, Oh, you know, like her good friend or like, you know, her creative partner, you know, I don't know. It was for a while. If you were gay or, you know, bisexual or transgendered or any of that under the umbrella, you kind of had to keep that part of yourself kind of away if you were an actor, because that could very easily destroy your career for a while. Very much so. I remember hearing George Takei talk about it a lot uh, on the Howard Stern show, as he's a frequent guest there. And uh, just the, the, the progress made in society uh, between him and uh, recently deceased uh, magician James Randi, those, those older gay folks that had to stay closeted and, you know, luckily survived everything. Um, having younger people in their life kind of point out, like, it, it's not going to ruin your career now. Nobody gives a shit. You're old. You're happy. You've been with someone for decades. Mm-hmm. Just fucking do it. And then sometimes they come out. But again, to reference Barry Manilow, when Manilow came out, it's like, I'm gay. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> We know, dude. It's 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 fine. It's cool. We 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 were ahead of you on this. Uh, then you're gay. The sun rises in the east. These are facts. And and I like and I hope that we get to the point where you it it's. I don't want to say no longer a conversation where it's as natural as breathing. It is as natural as the sunrise. This person's gay. Okay, cool. Uh, Elliot Page coming out as trans. Like, all right, cool. I yeah. was gonna I was gonna watch hard candy anyway. Yeah, it's just difficult because you know the same day or the, around the same couple of days that uh Elliot came uh came out um as trans was around the same time Laverne Cox, uh transgender woman, was assaulted. So it, it's just it's one of those things where you know we are definitely making progress, but um mm-hmm. we're we're making progress more so for um, uh, white people within the community and um, often men in the community. Um, and I don't want to make a blanket statement. So um, that, of course, is not always the case. But I don't know. It's it, it's just interesting because like, you know, with Rick, your example, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see a lot of older men um, who are gay, um, come out and they've been with their partner for a while and everybody, you know, seems okay with it. But I also think it's because what do they have to lose at the moment? Because Mm -hmm. they, they are much older. They're not, um, they're not in their early twenties and trying to break out into, uh, you know, whichever medium they're trying to break out into. I think it's just a mixed bag. I just wish that it wasn't that way, but I feel like we're, uh, this I feel like society is just more accepting of some people within the community than they are of others. And yeah, it's just never going to be. Well, I don't want to say it's ever going to be um, equal, but it's just so many paths uh, of understanding that people need to take. But um, but you know we're getting a hell of a lot of good queer horror, so we are in some type of good. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at, uh, yeah, bringing it back to horror, too, you know, obviously not really in horror movies recently that 
you know, come out over the last couple of recent years. But like in the past, a lot of the times the villain <laughs> would be like, you know, LGBTQ uh, or like, you know, it would be insinuated. Yeah. Uh, like a good example of that being like sleepaway camp. <laughs> you know? I hate that I love that movie so much. I mean, uh, the thing is, it is a really good movie. Um, <laughs> ending, that's the other thing. It's like the ending is problematic, but I don't know. I don't want to give the movie a pass, but it came out and, you know, it came out almost what 40 years ago yeah early at 80s, this point 40 something years close enough and i only watched it for the first time within the past two years and like i like the slashery whodunit aspect but then you get to the end it's like i and, and i'm sure in the 80s it made perfect sense to most of the audience watching it but now i'm like that's not how trans people are made that's not how trans people react you don't have to stab everybody um you know big up to to felissa rose uh playing it as a wee girl and loving it and embracing it but you know uh it's one of those things that it, it, society hopefully evolves past and it's like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. that were a reactionary sound uh given form well, it also makes me think of, um, this is one I didn't even think of for this conversation until we were talking about uh, the ending of Sleepaway Camp, but Rick, you've probably seen it. Vicki, I'm not sure if you have, but um, Cherry Falls, the ending of that. Oh, is that the one where he's like killing uh, everyone who's a virgin? Is that yeah. the one? Yes. Yeah, and Jay Moore. Yep. Yeah. I've not yep. even heard of this movie. What, what is it? You haven't heard of Cherry Falls? There's a teen orgy at the end. Well, I think it, that's... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a little... Where have you, where have you been all my life, <laughs> Cherry Falls? Sorry, go ahead, Vicky. Uh, no, I was going to say, it's interesting about... Uh, God, I don't want to say it, Rick, because you haven't seen it, but there's like a huge Go twist ahead. at the end. Um, the spoiler doesn't matter so much as the journey. and yeah, It's still worth watching. It's hilarious. And Brittany Murphy is in it in her fabulous yeah. Brittany Murphy uh, stage, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it's definitely, I don't know if I would say it is a good movie, but it's definitely a lot of fun to watch. It's so fun. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a quality film. I remember, like, some countries were like, we're not, no. <laughs> like, we're not showing this. They don't want to show the teen orgy? What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, the twist of it is the killer's been killing everyone because his mom, uh, years and years and years and years ago before he was born uh was basically if i remember right like drugged at a party or something and then a bunch of other teenagers like uh gang raped her and like you know he was born from that and so basically what happens is you don't really know until the end uh but he's been like killing all the teenagers uh 
and like a wig and like everyone didn't really realize it was him until the very end because you know he had like a wig on he uh kind of disguised himself as like a woman uh but it's interesting knowing that i don't know the thing is like i kind of figure out the best way to say it i don't think i guess it would kind of be like a buff not really a Buffalo Bill situation, but in that this character isn't really, you know, yeah, trans, but it's sort of like getting revenge in like a weird fucked up way for like his mom. Yeah, I think one one thing that, you know, because I you're right and I don't want to... Um straight too far away from uh queer horror films but uh there was one term that i read in bloody disgusting uh called gender fuck reveal and um and it puts cherry falls in that you know gender fuck uh reveal at the end kind of like yeah you know one film uh what's another one um seed of chucky with you know what's going on with oh yeah 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 Glenn and Glenda, God, um, and uh, well, Psycho. Psycho is probably one of the first like gender fucks, um, and True. it's not necessarily. Yeah, I agree with you. Where it's not necessarily this is this character is trans. It's just almost done for the sensationalism of like you thought it was a woman this whole time, but it's actually comedian. Well, if you can call him that, Jay Moore. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> So, um, you know, who for some reason regrets making Cherry Falls, and I'm like, sweetie, it's the best movie you made, if we look at your <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> looked it up. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anyplace, so. No, it's hard uh, to yeah. find. Hopefully, we'll, we'll, maybe, maybe we can, you know, maybe I can find a $4 DVD, because honestly, I would not mind owning that movie. But anyway, so yeah, um, going back to like sleepaway camp, I think it did take just kind of that gender fuck another level and tried to do this uh, trans storyline. <laughs> the more I think about it, I'm like, I can't believe this is an actual film. <laughs> no, no, uh, you brought it up. Psycho is like the best kind of like example we're going to compare that to, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And um, I feel like, so we had uh, Sleepaway Camp in the 80s, and I'm just going to mention a few of my, my favorite queer horror films, and then um, we, can, uh, we can go into, Vicky, some that you wanted to talk about. But there's been just such a great um, uh, surgence of queer horror, and some were made even like over 10 years ago. I mean, I think Jennifer's Body is the biggest example and I could go on. Oh yeah. Jennifer's Body and uh, the, the queer horror there and um, the relationship between uh, Jennifer and Needy and this sandbox love, you know, best friends and obsession. And um, I, I love that one. And also Rick, I don't think you've seen this. I'm not sure, but uh, Neon Demon, I think, is a great example of queer horror, um, just because of Jenna Malone's character's obsession with um, Elle Fanning. And honestly, I think every model, every every main character in Neon Demon, if you watch it going in, just accepting that all of them have very, very large queer energy. Like, it's just the whole, like, nobody, I believe no one in that film is straight. And then 
the the perfection. I mean, come on, that's like one of the. Have you seen that yet, Vicky? I have, oh wait, is that the one um, with Allison Williams? The, the you know what I was about to ask. I was like, is that the one who was in Peter Pan Live? Well, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I would love if that was on the poster from the star of Peter, <laughs> Peter Pan Live. Yeah, <laughs> but that is probably one of my favorites uh, as of late. I thought that that was a really great one um but i don't know if we want to unpack any of those i feel like with jennifer's body we've done an episode on that but vicky if you've seen any of those three do you have um any thoughts mm. you know honestly i know when uh i was giving a couple of examples like when we were outlining what to talk about i can't believe i didn't put this in uh but have you guys heard of dragula I think I've talked to Rick about this a bit. The Boulay Brothers show? Yeah. Yeah, the Boulay Brothers yeah. show. Oh my gosh, shout out to Bitch Puddin. I went to I went to college with Bitch Puddin. Oh, nice. Wonderful, wonderful queen. Wonderful, wonderful friend. Um yeah. Uh Steven, who, you know, is Bitch Puddin is just such a fabulous person. Um mm and deserved that crown damn really deserved that crown anyway yes i love dracula <laughs> mm -hmm. i tried watching I, I don't know if it was dracula might have been was that the one on netflix uh, no it's on amazon yeah. okay oh yeah i think it's on um it's weird it started like the very first season started i think on uh a YouTube channel called Hey Queen, and then you know, season two, they got a budget. Um, and then I think it wound up on Amazon, and then I think maybe at least the uh, second and third might be on Netflix too. Yeah, I think that's could have sworn I, I saw it on there. I tried watching it, and I like the fact that there's no puns because that definitely turned me off from RuPaul's Drag Race, but I didn't like yeah. the fear factor aspect of Dragula, so I only watched one episode and I'm like, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, fear the 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 fear factor element at the end is definitely my least favorite part of Dragula. My but what keeps me watching is um I just love that these are drag queens that embrace like glam and gore and show you can be like a pageant yeah. and also be like oozing liquids <laughs> and, and like be so grotesque and everything and really embrace it as their own um it's so cool oh uh i remember watching the very first season uh and like the very last challenge for like the three finalists is they have to do a category uh for i think glamour gore and uh I can't remember the third one, but for gore, you know, they have to go, oh, it's for filth, sorry. Uh, one of the categories is filth. So basically they have to be, you know, absolutely disgusting or, you know, as out there as possible for that category. And it'll always live rent-free in my mind. The very last episode for that challenge in the first season, like there was a queen called Melissa B. Fierce and for Phil, she had the most amazing outfit for that I have ever seen. Like, it still stands out for me. She basically walked down as, like, 
this bloody kind of nun with like bloody rose uh, beef. Like it was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Groovy. This this reminds me of uh, a great movie I saw at Tribeca. And uh, there's a word in the title that I know some people find offensive. Not my intention to offend. I'm just going to state the title as it is. It's an exploitation movie called Ticked Off Trainees with Knives. And it was freaky because there was a bomb threat called into the theater. I guess someone didn't like that title. So we had to temporarily evacuate. Then we went in and everybody had fun with the movie. Some cast members were there. Some filmmakers were there. And it was just a case of there. there's uh, uh, drag trans characters. They're entertainers. And there's one dude that identifies as straight uh, who is romantically involved with one of the, the drag performers. But then he gets pissed off when it's like, no, you need to come to terms with your own sexuality and hence stabbing is involved so then you know the, the, the trans uh, characters need to come together in order to survive and there's a lot of comedy in it so I like that it was I guess the LGBT version of something like snakes on a plane you know what you're getting from the title if you're taking it more seriously than that uh, and and getting pissed off about it without even having seen it uh, uh, potential derogatory term notwithstanding, then like some of your, your vitriol is unnecessary. But the audience in that screening was as entertaining as the film itself in my opinion. So I thought it was a good time. And that, that's something I haven't seen in a while. I wonder if that's streaming anywhere. Uh, anybody seen or heard of that one? Or did I, did I stump you like you did me with Cherry? I think I've heard the title, but I have not seen it. I've heard of it because I remember, I think Willem is in it. Um, oh my God, of course Willem would be in it. Willem is, oh, it's on Tubi. Willem is yeah. a, Willem is a drag queen um, mm -hmm. on, that was on, um, that was on RuPaul's Drag Race and uh, career kind of came to, came to light after that. But um, yeah, so Vicky, what uh, what queer horror films really uh, stood out to you, and is there a certain reason why they stood out to you? Oh, oh man, I am a very recent watcher of it, but Hellraiser saw that with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and that one definitely has very a lot of. Like, I guess sort of like S&M kind of like queer undertones to it. That's really interesting, especially with like Pinhead. Yeah, no, that's a, I haven't seen Hellraiser in a very long time, but I would love to watch it again, especially just thinking about that. Cause I don't think I had a super strong opinion when I first watched Hellraiser. Um, I, I was pretty young when I watched it, and I think I just thought, this is very weird, and I just didn't explore it again after that. Oh, it is a weird, weird movie, uh, but it's a lot of fun. It is. And I'm like, yeah. And it has, like, what? How many sequels? 
too many. Oh God. <laughs> like at this point, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it reaches a hundred at some point. Right. You and know? Clive Barker just got the rights back. Oh, yeah. And for that was, um, that was the other thing on like why they kept doing sequels is like apparently who had the movie rights for them to keep it, they had to pump out a movie like every, I think like two years or so. That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing. I didn't detect anything uh, really gay about it watching it as a kid. It was very sexual and also very gross. Uh, but knowing now that Clive Barker is an out gay man, it doesn't give a shit what anybody fucking thinks. Like, true madmen frequently don't. Um, it's like, all right, I, I I see it, and you know, now I, I I'm older and I know that there were. I mean, prior to COVID, there were people in you know Manhattan in dark places that I've never come across that pay to have that kind of shit done to them for fun on a Saturday night. And hey, more power to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do you think, Vicky? Oh, sorry, Rick. Didn't oh, go ahead. Vicky's our uh, guest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to touch on it fully because you guys talked about Jennifer's body uh, a while ago. But yeah, I remember when that first came out, you know, like the whole thing was like, Megan Fox, you know, like she's hot in it and she's like this sort of monster thing and it kind of uh, bombed because everyone was kind of like focused on that. Uh, but it's uh, interesting to see it pop up again, like now that people have given it a couple of years and like rewatched it being like, oh, interesting, you know, like looking more in depth about the movie. Yeah, they, they marketed it to the wrong. To the wrong people. <laughs> they yeah, marketed yeah. it to me and it didn't yeah, they, work. They marketed the film to yeah, I remember uh and I think I mentioned this in our in our episode on it too, that Karen Kusama, the director, talked about how the um uh studio was wanting to market it as like Twilight for boys. And I'm like, that's that's no, no. <laughs> yeah so it's not <laughs> like when you watch it and um so i thought that was that was interesting but i love that it's getting the the credit that it deserves now mm -hmm. uh another one that, that i didn't like and it's because of the ending because everything before that the gore was fucking fantastic and gross was high tension and then you know, when they realize it's like, okay, it's one of the girls being hunted that's doing the killing because she's a lesbian, she's in love with her straight friend. I'm like, well, that's kind of, that, I feel like I was on a sailboat and that just took the wind right out of it. And now we're kind of stuck. Uh, not because the, the character is gay. I'm like, oh, so you made me care about this character. And now uh, like, even though, yeah, there's multiple personality disorder, I was having such fun uh, and now I'm just. So when did it uh, when did it come out? Yeah, I uh, haven't seen it. So can you? It's just... Alexander Aja's film. Uh, it was released in the original French. Uh, came out in two thousand three. You can watch it free on IMDb TV, and maybe I should to see if I feel differently about it now. Well, can you yeah. describe a little bit of like 
what led up to that ending? Are, are you saying the main character ended up being the villain all along? There, it was there, like a, oh, sorry, yeah, you can explain. No, go ahead. You could probably explain it better because I haven't watched it uh, in a very, very, very long time. And another thing that upset me was I didn't rent it. Uh, I just bought the DVD. I've since sold it. Uh, from there was a to some poor sucker. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was a a a place. Uh, you remember where the Tower Records was down in the village, uh, on Broadway? It's now like Build Studios, but there was like a flea market right next door in this vacant lot. And there was a guy that I called Kung Fu Brother that sold all these DVDs, mostly Kung Fu movies. And he had like horror movies and a lot of bootleg shit that was hard to find. But he had gotten to know me a bit. And he's like, you like fucked up things. And, you know, he recommended Irreversible to me. And I trusted his opinion enough that I just buy shit on his word. And uh, I felt betrayed with high tension. But yeah, go ahead. Explain what happened. Uh, um, I mean, the basic twist of it is, you know, there's like this killer terrorizing this family. Um, and, you know, the two main characters kind of like escape after like the parents get killed, the younger brother gets killed. Um, but as it turns out, the friend of the main character whose family got killed was the killer the whole time and she was like in love with her. Um, but that's like the basic mm. twist of it. Oh, yeah. I've, um, I've never seen it. I feel like I've seen probably all of his other films. And with his other films, I either really love them or really hate them. So I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> it, um, had, it had the gore of uh, his other his, films. His, his other films. And uh, like, I was really loving that there was one kill where like a victim is in a uh his head is caught in a banister uh and and it does not work out well for him and it's only uh aja's second feature film like the next thing he did was a few was three years later with the hills have eyes but yeah that too um and 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 again it just felt uh but now seeing that it, I, I can watch it on imdb tv and with nearing 700 movies during the quarantine there's a couple things i'm going back and watching that i didn't really like the first time jennifer's body was an example as well and it's like maybe i can look at this differently and and enjoy it and, and maybe because i've definitely changed over the years and, and maybe it's worth a shot now mm -hmm. but you know as we're landing this plane uh, there's a movie that Chelsea and I were speaking of before we started recording that I am eager to see. Not so eager that I'm going to pay 20 bucks to Amazon to to rent it right now. But, I will. But I'm Chelsea will. Today. Uh, Freaky is coming out, and it's a it's a by the it's guy the guy that directed Happy Death Day. Uh, oh, that's the one where they uh, like switch bodies. Yes. Yeah, with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, that does look very interesting. And one of the the hosts of Attack of the Queer Wolf. And basically, it's they described it originally. Its working title was Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. That's funny. And there's a mention. It's in the preview, but there's one character like 
that's running with another oh, yeah. like, you're, you're, you're female i'm gay we've got no fucking chance no, it's, yeah it's not we're, your we're gonna die yeah it's okay. yeah i remember that line so i didn't i didn't see funny. the preview but re, and i and i mangled the quote and i apologize for that <laughs> i'm like yeah they were because they're, they're yeah just they're it on the line and, they're literally um i haven't seen the movie so i don't know where the scene takes place but they're both running uh and you know she is black and he's gay and they're literally like running from the killer and he literally yells out you know like you're black i'm gay we're gonna die yeah it's so good it's, it's so fucking funny yeah i mean there's um not so much anymore but there's like a movie trope called kill your gays yeah. um and it's and I guess more older horror films, if there is a gay character in it, the likelihood that character is either going to be the killer or going to be like one of the first, I don't know, three victims. It's still, it's, and yeah, it's, it's still a relatively active trope within TV shows, especially. Mm -hmm. um unfortunately yeah it's a it's a trope that hasn't died i think queer horror has done a great um a great uh job of you know reversing that trope but at the same time it's sad that it had to be i need to make my own films and my own stories because everyone else keeps killing what represents me i i, I get very annoyed when um so this isn't this isn't a horror movie, but I guess it's it, it, it's a horror mystery show. But um, but the show Supernatural ended recently, and when it ended, uh, a character who confessed his love for another uh, male character died literally right after he confessed his love uh, for that other character, and the writers confirmed, like, yes, this was a homosexual moment. And, um, you know, a lot of people were, a lot of fans felt pretty betrayed by it because they treated it as, as this moment that people had been waiting like 10 seasons for. It's and like a Torchwood moment. Oh, 100%. And, um, and it happens and fans were rightfully so. I mean, I think if a creator is on Twitter, he just has to, he, she, they has to be ready to um, engage with their fans. I'm not saying you have to always appease your fans, but don't be surprised when fans decide to engage with you on things they like and don't like. So a lot of people were discussing, you know, we feel pretty betrayed by this because it felt like you were baiting us and then you killed that character off. And then in the series finale, you barely mentioned him or that moment. You completely made it seem like it was just this one-off thing. And you didn't even let the other character like uh, say anything in response to it. And one of the actors was uh, saying um, in response to this backlash, you know, uh, I, I'm sure, you know, the ending didn't make everyone happy, but like the good thing is, and I'm paraphrasing, so this is definitely not exactly what he said, but he was like, you guys can create, you know, fan fiction and fan art and change the story in your own way. And it's like, that's the point is I have to rework what you did so that I can feel represented. And it's, and I, I don't know how to eloquently put it when it comes to like 
uh, queer horror or even like the recent, you know, holiday rom-com we got with um, Happiest Season, which is problematic in its own ways. But, um, <laughs> but it's just interesting because we are getting such amazing horror films and really just people that understand horror films. But it sucks that like that's what it took for the kill your gaze and like bury your gaze trope to kind of die a little bit in horror films because mm -hmm. straight people just had no problem with consistently killing them and um so it's it's a blessing and a curse i guess i would say um it's really interesting mm -hmm. yeah i think um i talked about it for like one hot second uh but silence of the lands Buffalo Bill. <laughs> um, he's gone. He thinks he's transsexual, but he's not. That was um, that was the interesting thing about the movie. You know, obviously the actor now has kind of apologized for sort of like the backlash that happened around that. But it's interesting in that, like in the movie and in the book, while yes, he does, you know kidnap these women and like skins them to like wear them as these sort of women suits um i guess it would be kind of like psycho where like you know this person is dressing up but they're not transgender you know like even in the movie uh and i think more so in the book they talk about buffalo bill and that he did go to uh like a doctor for sexual like reassignment surgery and was like going for treatments for that and the doctor denied him because he wasn't transgender he's been rejected by all of them Clary. yeah he's been rejected by all of them and it was kind of like it wasn't so much he was changing himself because you know on the inside it you know he was transgender but it was more so he was trying to change himself because of how much he hated himself you know and so he was literally just trying to like escape from i guess his own sort of prison yeah it is really interesting to think about it that way yeah but he did introduce me to q lazarus's song goodbye horses and i am forever thankful for that <laughs> yeah because who among us hasn't uh, done that dance? I've done it on stage a couple of times and asked me, will you fuck me? I've yeah, you me. have done that quite a few times. And, <laughs> and loved it. And I feel like oh, iconic, yeah. the audience gets it. I feel like the others just think you're being you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> half of them are like, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. And the other half, oh, that's just Rick. That's Rick. <laughs> they're both right yeah yeah <laughs> so as we bring this uh down let's say uh, uh let, let's support uh, queer horror where we find it uh much like with you know any other marginalized group that is creative if you want to see more of that vote with your fucking dollar and you will get more and that'll just make things better and more well-rounded uh and uh yeah if if i can find a way to to rent it that's not amazon I might kick a couple dollars towards freaky and uh we'll see what happens oh there's like well there's alamo there's 
20 different places to rent it easily, according to the Freaky website. I'll support Alamo because I want them to op reopen one day. Exactly. And I want Chelsea to get their queso because I'm <gasps> sure she's jonesing for it. Really? Mm. And the buffalo cauliflower. Like, like she's waiting for a fresh dose of hot crack. Just jonesing. <laughs> oh, I want it right now. I'm so upset. Anyway. <laughs> so you've been working on some stuff. Uh, Vicky with Human Pin Cushion. Um, yeah, we have. Tell the people about it and where they can find you if they want to find out more. Oh, yeah. Uh, Human Pin Cushion. We have a YouTube channel. We've uh, been taking like a little break for December, but we have radio plays uh, both like on our YouTube channel and on our new Spotify account. Uh, we got short horror uh, films that are like one or two minutes that we have a shit ton of on our channel. Uh, we got one short film already on there uh, that we did a little while ago. Uh, and then I think we actually released one that we did like a month or two ago called Mirrors that's also on our channel. And then we have a fundraiser right now for a movie that we're hoping to start filming in January. And that can be found uh, the fundraiser for it on our Facebook, our Instagram, literally all of our social media. We've got it posted everywhere. So if you like spooky things, check all check that out. Check us out. There'll be links in this episode. You'll be able to find them. Uh, and Google shit. You know how that works. You found this podcast. Yeah, make people do some work. <laughs> Way to endear our audience to you, Chelsea. <laughs> they can find you if they want some more. You know what? Well, you have Google. Yeah, You have Google. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not giving my handles this episode. Find me if you want to. <laughs> You want to find me? Put my name in somewhere. Yeah, I'll put, put my name oh, yeah. in somewhere. See what pops up. You can check out Spooky Doings <laughs> Improv on Facebook. <laughs> One day we'll be able to do a show. For now, it's more podcast information and some weird shit that I find that's spooky themed. Uh, you can find Spooky Doings on Instagram for all of the stuff about the shows and all of that goodness. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, Vicky, for being a part of this. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea, for handling all the computery boops. Otherwise, I'd just be talking to myself. And Always. it wouldn't be anywhere near as entertaining. Happy to do it. All right. So to all of our, our spooky doings kin out there, uh, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. Until next time.